Diversity Deep Dive podcast, Breaking Glass for Women in Tech. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, women comprise 50% of the total workforce, but only 24% are employed in STEM-related roles. The future of work is heavily technology-centered. It is critical for companies to focus on greater gender diversity and help break barriers for women to pursue careers in technology. Welcome to the Diversity Deep Dive podcast. I'm your host, Audra Jenkins, joined by members of my Ronside Equality Diversity and Inclusion crew, Floss Agri and Courtney Brazier-Barrett. Today, we'll be speaking with Sarah West, Regional Marketing Executive in Ronset Technologies, as she shares her journey, as well as some helpful insights on breaking barriers. Welcome, Sarah. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me today. We're so excited to speak with you today and hear about your journey and hopefully inspire other women who want to pursue tech careers. So, Sarah, first and foremost, please tell us a little bit how you got started. What sparked your curiosity to pursue a career in the tech space? I believe that what led me to my career is ultimately what I was doing day to day that was bringing me joy. I grew up in a home that I was quite often unsupervised. My mother was a trauma nurse. My stepdad was a first responder. So I was a latchkey kid. I was alone a lot. I was raised by MTV and TV dinners. And when that happens, there's a lot of troubleshooting as a child that you find yourself in the moments of becoming very resourceful. I was also really blessed to have technology in my home. I was born in 1980. There was a computer in our home since 87, roughly. I had some really inspiring science teachers in both elementary and middle school that really kind of helped shape this, and both of them were female, actually. So learning about different things in terms of ham radios, AV, things that I honestly just wanted to know how to do for myself— And to fix things, I felt like I needed to understand how they work. So that was kind of my own curiosity. But long story short, I ended up going to space camp. (laughs) And what I learned at space camp was that I 100% did not want to be an astronaut. But I had a moment on a plane, and I was 12 years old. And I was sitting in first class, not because my parents could afford first class, but that was the only way I was not going to get kidnapped, apparently. So my grandmother paid for that. And I sat next to two women on either side. And my memories of them are yellow legal pads, their hair in these beautiful buns, the sunlight coming through the windows, and they were going to work. And that blew my mind. And all I can remember asking them is, well, what do you do? And them saying, I'm a businesswoman. I'm like, well, then that's it. I'm not going to be an astronaut. I'm going to be a businesswoman. (laughs) (laughs) But I knew at that moment, I knew I didn't want to go into education. There were a lot of educators in my family. I knew I didn't want to go into healthcare. I liked being able to understand how things work, manipulating them. And I decided I was going to be a businesswoman who did that. I love that. What an amazing journey. So how were you treated first and foremost as a woman when you first started? What encouraged you to continue in a career largely dominated by men? Absolutely. So I've always worked for technology companies, whether they were telecom companies or, you know, technology solution providers. But I entered that business. My first placement was with Cox Communications, a telecommunications company. And at that time, all of the females worked in customer service. So it was, hey, you know, you're going to TJC, it looks like. Oh, you want to be a web author. What's that? Well, that's what we would call today web development. So I've always liked to write and create. So that's what I wanted to be. So they thought 
clearly I belonged in customer service. So they let me just kind of get my feet wet with their new business unit of business customers, actually. And I worked my way up from a QA standpoint. I provided good customer service. They noticed I was asking a lot of whys, you know, to understand some of my customers' challenges. And then they thought I might be a good fit for inside sales. I noticed, though, a lot of people would project on me, I think I could see you in this because clearly you wouldn't want to go over here. But Mm. to tell you the truth, it was always women telling me that. It really wasn't men early in my career. Wow. And so that's something that now as a leader, I'm very mindful of. I think that it came from a good place of those females who were very much role models for me. They were looking out for me. They were looking out for my employee experience of mixing it up and going into maybe areas they couldn't protect me, if you will, or help me grow. But all that did was make me feel defiantly motivated. I love that. Defiantly motivated. I'm going to use that. One of the things that I'm getting from this, Sarah, is that we need women to be allies of each other as well. That's another barrier for women in technology or any tech space. You know, it can't just be where there should only be one. I mean, it should be room for everybody, room for all. And I think that's one of the messages that's coming loud and clear from what you're telling us today. And I'm kind of blown away by that. I think, you know, we all have people in our career trajectory or a past that kind of shaped the journey that we went on based on those interactions. And I love the way you use it to fuel your energy and passion versus a way to discourage you. Absolutely. You turned what could have been a negative into a positive. And, you know, although a lot of women may have tried to steer you towards roles that women traditionally work in, like customer service, you had an idea in mind of what you wanted to do. Speaking of that, I know that there are several women today that are faced with barriers in the workplace that stand against things that they're trying to do. There's a recent study by PricewaterhouseCoopers that really spoke to women and surveyed women to understand how they felt about their status in the workplace and if they felt like gender served as a barrier to their career progression. And almost 50% agreed with that. Just from your perspective, what barriers do you think still exist today from when you first started? So I know there's a stereotype exclusion from maybe internal networks, but is there anything else that maybe you'd like to add to that? Sure. I've been very pleasantly surprised at the progression I've seen of customers. I would say the first 10, 15 years of my career, a lot of that existed at the customer level. So I might be there to help them solve a problem. Now, take this back to the guys at the office, see what they think sort of thing. And that doesn't happen anymore. And I really am pleased to see how quickly our clients' mindset has grown. But I do think internally within organizations, there is a few things that are self-imposed that if managers aren't looking for the cues of those behaviors kind of go unnoticed and become kind of self-fulfilled. I also think There has to be a consciousness about it, okay, because I can remember over the years being told, speak up, be a voice in the room, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And then having moments where I really felt I had something to say, maybe now I'm frustrated, I have a way to solve this, let's all pay attention now you know, let's just make sure we're not getting too passionate. Let's not be too, don't get emotional. Emotional? (laughs) So I think that sometimes it's word choice 
And these are things that leaders have to think about before they happen. And then also recognizing those that aren't speaking up and paying attention to the things that they say when they do say it. Usually that is what will lead you to the people who have more to offer. How can women who do not have a degree in technology enter into the space, perhaps as a new career choice? Are there other types of training or certifications that they can get to help them break into the technology field? Oh, absolutely. In the technology field today, it's so funny whenever I was preparing for this and thinking of a way to articulate technology, while it is still a field in terms of IT, there's always going to be technologists. Technology is an overlay to every field now, right? So technology even overlaying all of STEM, if you will. So my first thing would be for them to ask themselves, what do they enjoy most in their life that technology has maybe helped them overcome or solve? How has it really taken them to the next level? And then are they a creative? Do they want to create technology you know, solutions and services? Are they more of a passionate helping people solve? You know, maybe they would be good in sales. You know, so you can go the sales route without having technology degrees. If you want to maybe just kind of try the different flavors, what's great about this is that there's no point in a career where someone you know, could say, well, it's too late for me to make this transition, right? There might be a point where you could say that of maybe I should go to medical school, (laughs) you know, but because technology is so evolving, a lot of the ways that we're solving any problem for our clients today through, you know, infrastructure layer, application development layer are going to be different three years from now. So what if you started learning now about something that's going to be relevant three years from now that someone who has 10 years experience hasn't even started learning about? How do you stay on top of what's trending in the technology space? Full transparency, there are many days that I feel like, oh my gosh, you know, how do I not know, you know, this, whatever, it could be something that we're talking about at work or something that my kids are talking about. I love to read. I do not read a ton of books anymore. But one thing that I've really made a practice of doing is at least 30 minutes a day on average, I just read about something that is just about me, okay? Most days, though, that's really about work. (laughs) So there are certain blogs that I follow. I really like anything that I'm seeing from Mashable or Inc. I follow some just different blogs and podcasts and learning about it that way and then also anytime there's an opportunity that my clients speak about, that I'm hearing some of my reps say they're trying to solve, if I don't know, I'm the first person to say, let's Google that. You know, let's just solve this right now. We don't have to understand it end to end, but let's have a foundation of this and then we'll build from there. You have to remain a student. I love that. It's like a continuous learning, lifetime learner. Mm -hmm. I think that's beautiful. You know, one of the things I think that we all can do is we always have something new to learn. I mean, I don't think you ever get to where you are in your career by not staying curious. So I love that. Switching gears a little bit, I know as a parent, I'm constantly thinking about what I can do to ensure my children are employable in the future. At what age do you think you should be talking to young girls about tech and the cool jobs that they can pursue in the field? And why is that the perfect time? I think from the beginning, just like anything else, one thing that I try to do is acknowledge technology in moments. So on my vision board this year, it was really important for me to solve how to have better work-life balance. 
I took some time off over the holidays, and I just looked at a bunch of different apps and articles about apps about this. And one of the best articles that I read was find a way to use technology to make the time allocations shorter or just outsource. Well, I sell outsourcing. I love to outsource. I've outsourced my lawn care for years. (laughs) So it became different things like now I order my groceries through an app and I have them delivered. And there's a cost to that. So I'm mindful of that in other areas, right? Different ways of saving or doing things with them or let me Google some different games that are appropriate that are actual physical games played with a three-year-old. We have Alexa. Alexa is definitely our fifth child. But in moments, <laughs> I think technology. Like, you know, I might ask Alexa a question, you know, remind me how many quarts are in a gallon, you know. Thank you, technology. Or I just now have an extra hour with my kids. I'll say it out loud. Thank you, technology, you know, so they're hearing it. But also, I keep them accountable to understanding or trying to at least be curious about the technology they have. So how do you think this might work, Veda? You know, you love your iPad. You love this game. How do you think they made that game? You know, do you think they draw things? Do they record things? She has no idea, but it makes her go through that process and acknowledging that a lot went into it. And I think that is what sparks the curiosity. What are some other things that parents can do to really encourage their children or pique their interest in technology? Absolutely. So the first thing I would say is don't tech shame. I do not believe we are destroying our children by them playing video games or screen time in these ways. You can use technology, and the same can be said about food, medication, to enable or disable you. And I feel the true lesson and constant message has to be that of let's use technology to enable your fun, you know, or enable our relationship or our time together as a family. If I'm trying to spend quality time with my husband and he's watching some zombie movie that I think is terrible, (laughs) I don't want him to feel that I'm not engaged and I'm just on my phone. So I might say, I'm going to go on Expedia and look at where we're going to go on our next vacation. Might sound a little manipulative. I actually do that, though. But it's just decide that this is something you're going to be conscious of. I'm going to use technology to enable their learning, to make them better students, to make them solve for things. You know, I can't help you with this homework. This is a different type of curriculum that I grew up with. YouTube it. That's how we use it to enable. I love that. You know, you really do touch on a lot of things, Sarah, because I remember years ago when my children were younger and I introduced them to abcmouse.com. Oh, yeah. And I was so excited because it got them engaged with learning something. You couldn't get to the next level until you learned mm-hmm. something in that platform. It was very simple. It wasn't anything complex, but it was something that also I felt like we could do together to maximize, like you said, you know, the work life. I think mm-hmm. that's one of the things that all working women, you know, always yeah. want to figure that out. If we could figure that out, we'd be billionaires, right, Sarah? Mm-hmm. And I like to think that work-life balance now is not balance, but integration. Mm. You know, how are we integrating that in our lives? And I know you do a lot of integration because mm-hmm. you're always on the go mm-hmm. and you're a busy professional, but also a busy parent. Mm-hmm. I do appreciate that. So one last question, Sarah. What one piece of advice would you give women who are just interested in working tech, if they're just unsure or just don't know if it's for them, 
what one piece of advice maybe somebody gave you or one piece of advice that you would give them? I think that you first have to accept that it is not a destination. You know, this Mm. is going to be an ongoing journey. And like anything else, you're going to find what you don't want before you find what you do want. And you cannot assume that because maybe you start by taking a coding camp and that that's not for you, that you aren't into tech. That's the Mm. number one thing I hear of so many people that started this that wasn't for them. They didn't relate to the people around them, right, who were learning with them. So clearly, that's not them. So I would say if you're going to go the certification route, if you're going to go formal education route, understand technology starting at infrastructure, which is the basis of all things tech. If there's not a hardware, a physical layer, there was no magic after that. So understanding that and then understanding what you are most passionate about, and sometimes that's even the methodology. How do we run a business around all of this technology, right? People who have a passion for organization and operations, there's technology project managers and program managers and product managers, or even going into sales, becoming even a technical recruiter. If you're a technical recruiter, you're gonna get a huge crash course into all things tech, you know, and that is a skill that we can take you from knowing nothing to knowing something to knowing a lot, and then getting into it from there if you don't want to maintain that trajectory. All right. Well, thank you again to the wonderful Sarah West, my ready crew, Floss Agri and Courtney Brazier Barrett, for another insightful conversation. Also, a big thank you to our listeners. We definitely appreciate your support. Real diversity happens when everyone is actively engaged, working together for positive change. Let's keep the conversation going. Please download more episodes of the Diversity Deep Dive podcast. Until next time, go out and make a positive difference in your organization or community.